Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Understand, Mary, what's happening within the context of what I'm telling you. Uh, and that's interesting to note that when the, Mary, uh, when the angel shows up, I was actually reading in a different translation, and it was talking about that when the angel shows up, that she, she's not freaked out, that it could have meant that she's had an encounter with one previously. It's, she's puzzled and actually frustrated. That's actually one of the translations. That she was kind of frustrated, like, why are you showing up like this? So... Could have been that she had a couple of more visitations prior to this moment. In verse, 35, or verse 37, it's, uh, I love this. And as she questions him, the angel responds in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. One way to say that is for no freshly spoken word of the Lord will ever come to you without its own ability to perform itself. So in other words, the word of God coming to you needs agreement. It needs someone to co-labor with. It can perform itself. You think, well, I got to do this, 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 and this, and this. And maybe there's some things we correct and align ourselves with. But ultimately, it's the word of God, which means what? It's going to be complete. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. And so, and so Mary, Mary's response, and I love her response, was, be it unto me according to your word, your bondservant. But I want to take some moments here, and, and I'll, I'll compare and contrast in a story. But... One of the great principles here in this text, the precepts to Christmas, is don't put God in a box. So the angel shows up and says, you're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. He's going to overshadow you. For nothing with God is impossible. And so in our minds, in Western culture, believers in America, our minds immediately go to, how am I going to make this happen? And so logically, things don't make sense to us, so we box God in because we think God's only got three ways that he can perform the miracle that I'm needing. Whenever I've said it so many times, he's the God of the back door. He's the God that finds a way, not really because it was his his way to begin with. He had a way that he was going to perform a miracle for you that you never even saw. But you thought, well, I, I didn't plan for that. No, he didn't expect you to plan for it because he's looking to blow your mind. He's showing you that it's like he thinks he's God, right? When he performs some of these miracles that we've seen before, it's like, how does that even happen? He doesn't have, he, again, he owes me no explanation, but I owe him my full allegiance, right? I fully rely. I'm fully dependent. doesn't matter what it looks like. I don't care. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We have to give up our right to understand and, under, and know that in this season and within the, the next, whatever it is, week and a half that we have left for this year, it's not that the turning of the year produces anything. People's mindsets and things shift coming into the new year, and they do their three weeks of working out, and then they pay for a gym membership they never go back to. And they try to lose all the weight, and it's a struggle, and this, that, and the other. And there's so many things. I'm going to quit drinking this year. I'm going to quit smoking this year. I'm going to quit doing this this year. There's so many things, but then we find ourselves going right back into the trek. And it's almost like we think the new year changes everything for us. <coughs> Excuse me. But... 
My point is to you is don't miss the moment because the moment carries the miracle. And we look at the mundane that's happening around us and we think, well, this is just a normal mundane situation. Well, yeah, guess what? You're going to miss it. There's something going to happen. There's a baby that's going to be born and you're going to write it off and think, well, that's not it. By the way, there are no more virgin births, by the way. Let me just make that clear so that people think, well, it could happen again. It's happened. It's not happening again. But my point is to you is that we miss those miracles because we're going through life. We're on autopilot, as one of my best friends used to say. I'm just kicked into autopilot. I'm going through my job every day. It's like I've got to break the monotony. And we have to look for, the, look for the miracle in the mundane. Look for the miracle in the moment. But we're so stuck on autopilot. Well, I got 3,000. I got to take the kids to ball. I got to take them to dance. I got I to go do this. I got to go do that. No, no, no. Your schedule is so busy. But it's, it's, with the, it's with the urgent, but there's nothing important in your schedule. Yeah, there's some things, but are you really stripping it back and saying, God, my focus is completely on you because I'm not going to miss the moment that I'm coming into. I got a week and a half, and I'm fixing to align my focus because 2024, I'm not looking for any vision. I'm looking for God vision. I'm looking for greater vision. What are you showing me, God? What do I need to be seeing that I haven't seen yet so that it can be manifested into the seen realm? What am I looking for? I'm telling you, since many of us don't hit autopilot, don't just cruise through life, letting things happen the way that they might. Now, I want to I contrast for just a few moments uh, Zechariah and Mary. So, Zechariah, back up just a few scriptures there in the book of Luke. An angel comes to Zechariah and tells him, and his wife, tells him, your wife is going to have a son. And I can almost think that he did it just like Sarah did whenever the angel is speaking to Abram and Sarah laughs in her tent. And uh, he's like, you got to be kidding me. She's already went through menopause. That ain't happening. Like, I'm an old guy. I, you know, I'm struggling a little bit. So Zach asked the question, as Mary did herself, how will I know? First off, this is a biological dilemma, Gabriel. It's a bi- it just can't happen. It's not going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen. Well, he didn't say he wouldn't believe it, but he just, I don't, I don't understand how this is going to happen. He says, for I'm an old man. But, and that's a, perfectly logical, that's a perfectly logical and practical question. He basically says it's not possible. In verse 19 and 20, it says, The angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel. And I love this. It doesn't say who stood, but it says who stands. That means God is present. It stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. Verse 20 says, behold, the angel speaks to him and says, you're going to be silent. You're going to shut your mouth and you're going to be unable to speak. Because you're not messing up this miracle. Sometimes we can learn a lesson from this. (laughs) Don't mess the miracle up. Don't curse what God's trying to bless in your life. Let me take a moment right here because I've said this many times. Many of us are looking to the wild blue yonder and you're not living in the moment because you don't think that here is holy. You think that, well, when I get to this, when I get that job, when I get that promotion, when I get this relationship, when I get to that location, and so you're cursing where you are. And I, I have been breaking word curses over our region for a long time. I really have. God, I break every word curse. People that say this is going to be a place of retirement, I understand, but I just believe you're going to send You're going to send more businesses. You're going to send people, entrepreneurs, where our youth don't have to move off and move to bigger cities, but they can stay right here, get equipped with the power of God, and plant something right here because you want to do something here. People say, well, you don't have a Chick-fil-A, and I always say, not yet. (laughs) I'm believing for it. It's it's, it's, it's It's in the cloud. 
It's going to become a reality at some point. He's going to download it. It's going to drop. I believe it. So he's, he's silent, unable to speak until the day when these things take place. He said, because you didn't believe my words, which will be filled at the proper time. But now look, look at what he tells Mary, right? It's almost the same scenario. Now, we're, we're missing some, some, some dialogue, I'm sure, that the Bible doesn't give to us in the moment. But that, what's the difference between Mary's, how can this be, being that I don't know a man, and, and between Zechariah that says, how can this be? We're advanced in age, right? Perfectly logical questions uh, asked to the angel. But the, but the angel tells Mary, you need to get ready. You're about to experience a supernatural reality. Both had doubts and questions about the word that came to them. Here's the thing. The issue is when you're facing here in this room an impossibility, something that does not make sense, something that is revealed by God because many of us have been there. God's revealed things. I'm about to do this. I'm going to give you. I'm a, maybe it's been prophesied, a word of encouragement to you. There's just been a promise that's come to you, and it just doesn't make sense, something that's been revealed to him. What's the difference between a doubt that brings discipline, Zechariah, and a doubt that brings a miracle, Mary, what's the difference, right? That's my question. How does that happen? Zach and Mary both had a doubt and a question because it wasn't logical, does not make sense, doesn't fit within the frame of humanistic understanding. Here's the difference. When the angel tells Mary nothing will be impossible to God, verse 38, this is the key. Here's the key. Verse 38. Behold the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. In other words, I yield and submit my life to the will of God. Many of us, whenever God comes to us and drops that word into our life, it's a seed to bring forth the, great, bring forth the greatest transformation in you, your family line, and generationally. Because God's not looking just to hit you and your kid. He's looking to generations He's looking to hit four and five generations down and produce a, a revival that produces transformation that increases. Just as a, well, it's getting darker and it's getting darker and it's getting, yeah, but it, for, for many of us that have abandoned our posts and forfeited our destinies, revival should have been increasing, getting brighter, getting brighter because the darker it gets, the, the power of the church is going to shine. I know we've been in a mess and I'll agree with you and say that, but you either get on the field or get out. Get in with us or get off. We got to make a decision to say, I'm going to move forward, and it's going to happen through me. Whatever's been happening to me, curses and sinful things, I'm going to repent and turn from it, but it's going to stop at me, and it's not going to hit my child, and it's not going to hit my grandchildren. It's not going to hit my great-grandchildren because I'm going to break the power of any form of witchcraft and rebellion and adultery and any of those things that would like to tr just transfer itself from one generation to the next, and it's going, this next generation is going to be one that of revival. We have to believe that. And it's all because somebody doesn't miss your moment. Can you see the miracle that's in the making right now? Be it unto me, God. That means not my will, Jesus. He even prayed it himself in the garden. Thank God for the nevertheless. Because he said, please let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, not what I want. Because humans left to themselves are stingy, we're selfish. The Bible says, that's why the scripture says, deny yourself of what you want and take up the cross and follow. Be a good follower. Mary's doubt was a miracle 
that led her to submission. She was looking at it, but she didn't try to figure out the whole full detail. She didn't try to figure out A to Z. She just said, be it unto me according to your word. Even though Mary said, I don't understand, even though it doesn't fit my biological reality because it came from God. I'm going to be your bondservant. So God, whatever you want to do, here I am. Just do it. And people, we, we, we look at Mary and it's like, oh, this is great. But do you understand that she bore a stigma for the rest of her life? Oh, you know who that is? Supposedly. Whenever a miracle was being performed because somebody was jealous. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't jealousy, but she bore the stigma that she had a child out of wedlock. But when it was born of God himself, it was God coming in flesh. If God said it, I don't have to figure it out. I just have to embrace it. And when I embrace it, the supernatural begins to enter into the natural. I don't have to try to figure it out. Some of us are still working the details. Don't worry about the details. All you got to do is be submissive, be obedient, and follow. As you walk, the steps will be revealed. But you got to be obedient. Don't go into this next year with your natural thinking. Many people, we have a, we're thinking carnally. And the Bible talks about that in 1 Corinthians. It talks about the carnal mind cannot accept the spiritual things of God. So even though God wants to do something, we can't get it because we don't. We're, I just, I, how is that going to happen? How is it going to happen? No, 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 no. It's of the spirit discerned, so I need to be walking a life in the spirit. So don't go into 2024 with your information, your education, your logical thinking as though that would be what determined what God would do, able to do, will do, won't do. You can't go in with that mindset. Because the angel tells Mary right here to also communicate to us through her that nothing will be impossible to them that believe. So we must enter the new year knowing that God can blow our minds and he doesn't have to do it. And, and I don't want to give him a lane. God, look, I'm just letting you know you have this much space to do this in. I'm going to, this is it. This is all you get, God. But that's how so many people do it. Well, brother, it's God first, family second, and my job third. No, it's not. It's God first, and there is no close second. I bring him into my marriage. I bring him into, I'm not great as a, as a great a, a father, but I bring him into my relationship with my children to do the very best that I possibly can and allow him to reprove me, rebuke me, correct me, instruct me to lead my house. Right? So it's God first. God is so, I know there's a, and I may get in trouble for saying this, uh, the separation between God and, and state, but it's hard to kick him completely out of something. And when you do that, I'll preach on this later into next year. I believe it's 1 Chronicles chapter 16. You get a moment where the, when the word of God is removed from, that you get a result of sinless acts and wickedness and evilness that you'll reap for the next few generations. Stay ahead. I, that, my brain. Rabbit. They kill it. I got it. All right, move forward. So God can flip the script on a dime and change the outcome in an instant. I talked to a couple of you this morning and said some God things have been happening in your world. I want to get you to raise your hand so I can shout with you for just a moment, but I'm gonna, we won't testimony service. But God can change it in an instant, can he? Anybody ever been there before? I'm telling you, it doesn't take much. God flip it. God can turn it. He can flip it. And what I love about this is because the angel of God comes out of nowhere. He just appears. Eternity, the invisible, 
appears and pops into the visible realm, to the, to the natural eye. And Mary and Zach are both having this encounter with an angel. What if, what if you're one, what if you're, you're, you're one time beat unto me, God, according to your word, to experiencing the next place of favor encounter? What if you're just one of those away? Every time something comes to you and you can't seem to be it unto me, God, according to you. God, whatever you want to do, just do it. I'm, I'm telling you, you have whatever you want from me. You, you, my, you, want, you want my, fi- here's my finances. You need my family, there's my family. I, I'm, I'm giving them to you. Every bit of it, be it unto me according to your word. What if you're just one of those away from experiencing the next place in God? Because he's looking to get all of you and not just that small portion. He has all of this, but there's a little area. It's kind of tucked away that you get offensive about. God says, Hey, open your hand. Stop clenching that relationship so tight. Let go of it. Or you're squeezing the copper out of that penny you got in your hand. In other words, you're tight. (laughs) And God says, I can't get something to you because you won't release it. God never asks something from me to take it from me for good. What he wants to do is he wants to take, he wants me to open and live like this so that he can get something to me. He's looking to enlarge capacity. God, he doesn't hide things from you. He hides things for you. That's what he does. Because he's good. You got to know his nature. Let me move on. Shepherds, Luke 2, 8 and 9. You with me? Luke 2, 8 and 9. The Bible says, In the same region there were found some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly, there it is, boom, out of nowhere, out of invisibility to visible. Suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified and frightened. I mean, as they, I mean, you're in the middle of all of a sudden, boom. It's complete dark. You're watching over. You've probably got a campfire and boom, there comes angels. Suddenly the angel shows up again. Verse 9, they were terribly frightened. Verse 10, let me track it down just a little bit. It says, uh, in verse 10, it says, uh, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. What if, let me just a side note, coming into this, this next year, even right now, some of us are so paralyzed by fear, um, and, and I think we allow that to dictate our future. I've said it before that fear is a false prophet spirit because it tells you your future. It tells you what it tells you what you what it wants your future to become, and it is a spirit. But we we open our mind to have conversation with it, which empowers it. Anything that you give, what does the Bible say? Give no place to the devil, and we give it a place of residence. So fear takes over and it starts to dictate what decisions we make with our family, with our jobs, with our relationships. We become, we start building walls rather than building boundaries. The boundaries are healthy. We start becoming uh, extremely tight to certain things and certain relationships. So just a side note, the angel shows up and says, don't be afraid. And I love what it says here. Don't be afraid, but behold. So my word to you, and I love what behold means. Behold means to look intensely. So in other words, behold, look to Jesus. Many of us are struggling in fear, and we're looking at everything around. We're looking at our check account, our banking account. Well, I just don't know. And, okay, there's some adjustments that need to be made, but why, are you looking, why don't you look at Jesus? I'm telling you, look at, well, how do I do that? Get yourself into the Gospels. Look at him. Look at him until your mind begins to change. Not just for five minutes. Well, I don't understand. Get a translation you can understand, and I promise you, your spirit is being fed. Doesn't matter. Well, I don't understand. It doesn't matter, but you're going to get fed. 
Just keep reading. Keep reading. Devour that and see what happens. Seven to 14 days of staying in the word. Watch what happens. Does fear have a place? No, because the word will come up. The Holy Spirit will be like, you know what? You've been getting me in you. Now I'm fixing to release a word into this moment to, fi- to flip the fear and get it out of your life. So behold, look intensely at Jesus. And verse 12, I'm just going to track right down. It says, and this will be a sign. What are you talking about? What are you saying this is going to be a sign? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. It talks about the child being born. And this will be a sign for you. You will, now listen to this. Slow down and read it. This this sign, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Okay? Newborn uh, parents, you've been doing the whole swaddle. I still couldn't figure it out. I tried. <laughs> Went through both of them, could not figure out how to swaddle. They had even the little wraps. I'd still get it messed up somehow. I'm not. There's a song, great theology, be a simple kind of man. I'm going to be simple. So... All right, bad pastor joke. Let's keep moving. So why is this a sign? What's so special about this baby being wrapped? Who is he talking to? Who's he talking to? Shepherds. Shepherds, but not just a group of general shepherds, not just any group of shepherds. Yes, they're watching over sheep, but you have to understand what's so significant about these shepherds and why did an angel show up? So don't miss this. Look at somebody say, don't miss this moment. (laughs) These shepherds are the ones watching over the lambs that would be offered as sacrifices on the altars for the sins of the people. So, yeah, they stunk. Shepherds got to get among their people. Pastors, walk with them. You walk with them. So, these shepherds are tending a flock of sheep by night, running off wolves and all these things. These lambs, what was so significant about these lambs? These lambs had to be without what? Spot or blemish. No scars. Kept perfect. Because that, I mean, if you, Levitical law said that spot, that lamb had to be perfect. Because at the end of the year, they would offer it up as a sacrifice to roll the sins forward one one more year. Never be fully forgiven. Now, again, listen, they're living on that side of the cross. We're on this side. Jesus became our lamb, right? But they told them, you're going to find a lamb wrapped in swaddling clothes. So in Jesus' day, listen to me, they would wrap a newborn lamb in cloth so that as the lamb would begin to move around and play, it would not get scarred or scuffed up. So why is that significant that Jesus is wrapped in swaddling clothes? Because it was a sign to the shepherds. God covers every detail. God is a God of the details. I understand, businessman, yeah, 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 give me the bottom line, but listen, the bottom line is going to become the bottom line. We know we're going to be saved, but the Lord is invested in the story to get us from there to there, right? So he wants to walk with us, so we can't bypass a process. We can't bypass the wrapping of the swaddling clothes because it's important. It's a sign. It's protection. Yes, you need to be covered. I believe that you need a church home. You need, to be, you need to be in a house of God somewhere where you're covered by a shepherd that you're being poured into, invested. You need relationships that are helpful into your personal life to help you develop as a disciple in Jesus because there's things that maybe I, can, I can't give you that somebody in the congregation can. That's, the, that's how vital it is to be in the house of God. How many of us have been in those moments where you were walking through the toughest of toughest places that ever, and then when you came into the house of God, there was somebody 
All it was was a, hey, how are you doing? I love you. And a hug. And it flipped the script on your mindset to know, hey, life is going gonna, gonna to get better. I don't know how, but it's going to get better. Right? You need, you need a house. I'm not trying to make a plug. Yes, I am. I'm going to make that plug because I believe in it. I was raised in the church. I believe in the power of the church. It's not my Savior. No, it's not. But the, the relationships that God places within our lives are gold. And life moves at the speed of relationships. I'm just telling you. Many people that isolate themselves. Isolation will kill you. Proverbs talks about that. You need one another. In, in seasons and ebbs and flows of your, you need somebody at all points. So the shepherds heard from, how, from the angel how they would know who the Messiah is by what he would be wrapped in. They knew this lamb would be born to die for the sins of their nation. Little did they know their mindset stopped there and it was because he was going to die for the sins of the world. He was going to take on the full weight of every form of sin. In a moment when he hung naked, not with a loincloth on a cross, that in that moment the full weight of sin would come upon him. Every form of sin that you've ever committed, I've ever committed. And all of a sudden the father would turn his back on the son. The earth would become dark. Jesus knew in a moment, I think that's why he was in the garden and Jesus was struggling because he knew there was coming a moment when the father, he's never lived in unbroken communion with this father. But in a moment, the father was going to turn his back on the son and he was going to become sin, the nastiness and the wickedness of sin in a moment's time. He was born to die. But yet we know that's not the end. The shepherds experience the miracle of Jesus' birth because they recognized the uniqueness of his birth. They experienced it because they recognized and saw the moment, what appeared to be mundane to some, but they saw, oh, wait a second, that's a sign. We understand what it means to be wrapped. So I'm telling you, reiterate it to you, don't miss the moment because the moment carries the miracle. If you don't get anything else, I'm telling you, don't miss the moment. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss the moment in this service. Don't miss the moment that God's even giving you right now. I, I feel by the, by the Holy Ghost that the Lord is giving some people some ideas to the mundane that you feel like you've been walking through because God works powerfully in the mundane. There's potent moments in the mundane, day-to-day -day grind in life, but you've got to see it. You've got to see this. You can't miss this. Move on again, Simeon. We just talked about Simeon just a little bit ago. I'm not going to read the whole full story, but verse 25, it talks about a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. That was the coming of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, now he still comes on us, but in the Old Testament, he would come on people, but he wasn't in people, right? Gideon, he clothed him. Now, we see him at salvation. He comes in us. And Pentecost, he comes on us. So now he's in both. I don't have time to talk about that, but many of you have heard that. You know that. And it says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So in some form or fashion, he understood, I will not die until I see Jesus. And Simeon says, Commitment to Jesus in uh, verse 34 and 35, says that he held the child, he blessed the child, and he said, I, I, wouldn't you like to hear this, parents? Let me, let me just read this to you. It says, 
Behold, this child, mother, is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in our region. And as a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul. Hey, mom, how about that? We'd take the social media right then. Can you believe what so-and-so just said? It's like, you kidding? No, I don't think so. We'll be telling everybody about it. Somebody's, I got to stop. So a sword will pierce your soul to the end. Thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Simeon tells his mother, says, look, look Mary, commitment to Jesus is going to be polarizing. Many will rise and many will fall in his name in this region. To many Christians, too many Christians, we're, we're playing it safe. We don't want to offend anybody. Now, wait a second. I don't mean, we don't want to be a, I'm not talking about offend when you, because it's, it's impossible. We don't want to be offensive. We're not, not saying walk around and be offensive, but we don't want to live close enough to him to become guilty by association. Right? We call ourselves Christians, but we neglect the path of holiness. And understanding that there's some places I can't go, some things I can't do, because I feel the conviction of God on my life about it. And the word says it. Well, that's not really what the word says. The word's dated. We can date whoever. Uh, um, it doesn't matter. Uh, we can, oh, man, you know what? It's Christmas. It is what it is, but that's who Jesus is. We, we want to we change our, our identities. We want to we change our genders, and we want to shift and move and all of these things. And understanding that when those stand up to speak and tell the word as it is, it's going to be, it's going to offend many. Because it's truth. It's not dated. It's not some historical document that carries no weight. It's powerful, right? But many believers don't want to live close enough to him to be guilty by association. We don't want to, as Peter did, he followed at a distance when Jesus was being led off in the middle of the night. He warmed himself by a fire, denied him three times. Oh, but no way, I believe in him, but yeah, I don't want to be close enough. I don't, I don't want to get crucified or nothing, Right? Guilty by association. Matthew 10, let me just give you scripture. It says, Jesus tells the people, he says, if you deny me before men, I'm going to deny you before my father. If you affirm me before men, I'll affirm you before the father. So I want you to get that in your mind. The next time that you feel like go with the flow is what you're supposed to be doing. Walk away from this relationship. Don't shake hands and walk and become business partners with that one or this one. Whatever it may be. Guarding your heart, because that's all part of that. He's saying, you must be willing to identify with me. That's why Paul says in Philippians 2 that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of Father. Listen to what I want to tell you. It's your identification with Jesus, not, not merely your belief in God. Now, that's going to mess with you. Because there's all kinds of people that believe in God. And people say, well, you know, Jesus is not the only way. There's multiple ways. Well, then if that be the case, then the father owes the son an apology for making him die the death he died. Let me say it again. If there's many ways to the father and there's many ways to heaven and there's many roads to God, then God the father owes Jesus an apology for making him die the way that he died because it was brutal. It was horrific. There's not multiple roads. Many people say, I believe in God, but they... They don't identify with Jesus. That's who you got to answer with. That's who we live our life by. We follow his teachings, his words, through an apostle's teaching what they identify. So it's your identification with Jesus and not merely your belief in God that makes Christmas potent and powerful. And it makes Christ truly real.
identifying with Christ, Simeon says this child's going to cause a problem. Because when you go out with Jesus and you get away from general God, you're going to have some people who's not going to agree with you. Remember, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, right? Just like him. So uh, he's the door. There is no other door. Not only is he going to cause a problem for others, not, just, not for others, but he's going to cause a problem for me as well. Mary's going to cause a problem for you. You want one thing, and next thing you know, Jesus is wanting another. <laughs> right? So it's a battle between flesh and spirit. Human nature and the divine nature. Jesus will oppose your soul. What does that mean? If you're taking notes, write this down. He will never offend your heart. Listen, he will never offend your heart, your spirit, but he has no problem offending your mind to reveal what's in your heart. Think about it for just a moment. God will never contradict his word. He won't. But he has no problem offending my understanding of it from time to time because it's not right. So he has to get whatever's in the heart out so that we can deal with it. Remember what I said? We pick the fruit off the tree, don't deal with the root, but God says, no, I need the root. Because if I can kill that, then I kill the nature that's causing you to go off track. Right? Right? So Jesus is a problem because he will bring you into conflict for you, with yourself where you will have to say no to you and yes to him. But when you say no to you and yes to him, you get more of him in you. That's how that works. Too many people are full of themselves and not enough of Jesus. They're full of something. Now, come on. Now, some of y'all, y'all almost shouted it in the church house, and that I had to open the altars for repentance right here. No, nah. no, nah, we, we're not full. We, we got to become full of him. He has to overflow. But you know, you, know what, um, you know what true evangelism is? I love what Bill Johnson says. You know what true evangelism is? An overflow of worship. I'm so full of him, worship with him, engaging in his presence, looking to become like him and not like myself and not like a cult, not to conform to the culture, that all of a sudden, most naturally, what flows out of me is, is, is evangelism because they see me and identify with him. I can't tell you how many times that I've been in the room. There's been some of us that's been in the room with those that are sick. This will mess with you, but it's okay because it's scripturally based. Let me, I, I, let me just give you this. Most recently, there was someone that was having some heart issues. Someone that was having some heart issues, and a few of us was in the room, and, and I was planning to pray over this person before this night had ended. And before the night had ended, I didn't even say a prayer. I was like, man, I missed that. I would love to have prayed over them, but they got better throughout the night. Why? Because he's looking to overshadow believers. Not only is he in me, he's looking to come on me. Well, I don't know about prove this, pastor. Well, first off, I don't have to prove it, but let me give you scripture that says that when Peter was walking down the street, they laid out the sick mats in the road that only the shadow of Peter would hit some and that they would become well. well what are you saying? It was Peter's shadow. It was overshadowing Peter. It was Holy Spirit. 
So what if believers begin to live with the reality that I can be overshadowed? I can have holy. I'm not going to say I'm not getting pregnant. All right, I mean doing none of that stuff. But I, I but I've got presence of God resting on my life. That when I walk into situations with listen, Christmas time, families, you got a lot of dysfunction. What if you just hosted Jesus? You got him in you, but let him come on you. That when you walk into the room, next thing you know, all of that arguing and that bickering and that stuff, this backbiting, because we know that stuff happens from time to time, moments, just, just a little bit. But then when you walk in, all that stuff leaves because the peace of Jesus invades the room. I'm telling you, I believe this stuff. I believe that we can host him. And I'm looking at, at, at the scripture where it talks about this and that not only is he going to, yes, oppose my soul, Jesus, because I want to believe everything word says and not what somebody tells me that I have to believe. What does it say here? I want to track that because I don't want to miss my moment. If you're coming upon me in this mundane moment, I'm going to be aware of it. I'm going to see it and, and, and see what you'll do in this moment. I believe that nothing's impossible. So when you say no to him, just really quick, when you say no to you and yes to him, you get more of him in you. AJ, if you would. Matthew 2.11. We've said this before, but just so that you know, in our nativity scenes, pastors said it plenty, but we just need to reiterate that. The wise men were not there whenever Jesus was born. And I don't think they brought three small gifts because if any kingly order in Scripture you look, and when a king brought a king gifts, they never brought just a little bit. Kings understand to give out of the place of abundance. That's why we believe that when we make confessions around here over our finances and over our lives because God's called me to prosper. He's called me to walk upright and become an example for the nature or for the, for the, for the culture that we live in. But they brought, it's very likely that they had brought loads of gifts before the Lord at his birth. But when the white, listen, Matthew 2.11, uh, uh, let, me, let me just flip to it so that we can read together. Matthew 2.11, it says, and after they came into the house, so they're not in the stable anymore, they've made it home. After they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother and fell down in worship. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They heaped on him worship because he's worthy of it all so but the Greek word for child here just so you understand it means toddler so is it likely probably took them not a few weeks to get there but a year a good year to get to see a good year to get to a good year to see Jesus the wise men are coming from the far east so and they came on camel and horse. They didn't come on a, a 757. They didn't come in a vehicle, right? There, there, it's, there's a lot of breaks there. But when they saw God's star over Bethlehem, it took them a year to get to Jesus. And many people struggle to drive 10 to 15 minutes to gather with the saints. Some of you, and I'm celebrating, I know some of you, you drive well over 30 minutes to come to church here. And that's an honorable thing. That humbles me. Because I know that, God, you're doing something here that's impacting a region. And that's what we pray for. What have we been praying for? Impact in a 50-mile radius. Those that's supposed to be here, let them come. Let them come, God. What did they get in return for bringing in heaps? Verse 12 says, And after being warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left to their own country another way. On these wise men, really quick. It's really short. 
as they were obedient and as they begin to follow, the Lord begins to give them some revelational understanding and through a dream, do not go back to Herod. His plan is to kill you. His plan is to find out where Jesus is and to kill him, right? They got led by God because they were willing to do what it took to worship. I'll go to whatever end. Those who found Jesus found the true light and he illumined their life to miracles, guidance, and the supernatural. As they gave their future to God, these, these wise men, he opened their spiritual understanding to see and to hear and to know. Let me ask you a question. Stand to your feet. Have you missed the moments Jesus has illumined to your life to show you the path of the supernatural? A lot of people don't believe in that, but I'm here to tell you we've seen too many miracle signs and wonders to, to know that he, he still moves and he still touches, he still heals, he still breaks chains, addictions, they can't, I'm telling you, he's still the God of the impossible, making the impossible possible. But have you missed moments? Have you missed the moment? Some of you this morning, this is your first time to ever grace a church door. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a couple times. But he's awakening you to his reality. That's the light of the world. That's who he is. And let me just tell you, when Jesus shows up, it's not condemnation. But all of a sudden, you feel the weight of the sin that you've been doing. I'm telling you. And you feel, oh, God. And many people fight or flight. They fight it with white knuckles and someone flight and they get out the door and they never return back because they don't like conviction. But conviction's healthy. Conviction is the drawing of God's presence into him. Condemnation is the pushing. It's where the enemy works to push you out the door and never get you back or push you, not even just in the church, but in a relationship with the Lord. But God wants to draw you in because he wants to love on you. He wants to show you truly who he is. He's the true light. Come on, close your eyes for just a moment. I tell you to do that simply so you can just set your focus on the Lord. Father, I thank you for this room. I thank you for those that's in this room. Every person that's come in from every walk of life, there's some here today that have not yielded and surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So right here, right now, this is your moment. Don't miss this moment. You say for the first time, and ain't nobody looking at you. Nobody's, it's, we're going to celebrate with you, but we're not calling you to the front. But I just need you to acknowledge they're lifting your hand so I can see it because it starts at repentance. If you want to yield your life to Jesus and give him everything and say, hey, God, be it unto me according to what you say from this moment forward, I yield my life to you. I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. Raise your hand right now so I can see it. I bless you. I see the hand. Hand over here. Hand here. There. Come on, just a few more moments. I feel the Spirit of God working conviction in this room right now. Take a few moments right here and just ask the Lord, God, forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Things that I know have been wrong, and I've done it, I'm sorry. But I humble myself before you this morning, God. I give you my future. I give you my life. I give you my thoughts. I give you my destiny because I know that what you have for me is better than I could ever fathom for myself. You're so good. You're so awesome. I love you. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Holy Spirit, come. Take residence in this heart. Let my heart be completely consumed by you. Direct and order every step I take. God, I thank you.
give you thanks. I give you thanks and praise. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.